welcome to Today on Broadway for Thursday, December 23rd, 2021. I'm Tell Me on a Sunday podcast, Grace Aki. And I'm arts and culture writer, Ashley Steves. We are just going to get right into it because oh, yesterday we day. started the show. Another day, another day. Uh, We started the show yesterday when we were reporting about Broadway League President Charlotte St. Martin's statements on the state of Broadway. I was going to say the state of the union, but, you know, Pretty she's much. not the union. <laughs> She'd probably be more suited. Um, uh, problematic faves. Uh, mm. but she, she was met with ample amounts of deserved criticism from the Broadway community after she said things like this. My educated guess is the newer shows maybe have understudies that aren't as efficient in delivering the role as the lead is. Some of the older shows have more experienced understudies and more experienced swings. I know one show last week where the lead was out, the understudy was on vacation, the swings were covering other parts, and they just didn't have enough people to stand in. We told you that yesterday. It was obviously not okay. Mm -hmm. And so this was her official apology statement. I sincerely apologize about my recent comments about understudies and swings. I clearly misunderstood. And for that, I am truly sorry. After speaking with several understudies and swings this morning, I realized how this mistake has hurt many people. There was never any intention of disrespect. Did you not make theater? Very, I need to be very clear. She said, I do not make theater, but am committed to its success and to acknowledging the immense work of those who bring it to life eight shows a week and 52 weeks out of the year. Again, please accept my apology. So the people rightfully are not satisfied. Here are some public social media statements by industry professionals, beginning with Someone who surprisingly spoke out about this after yeah. she has had some <laughs> was problems. Very, was very <laughs> surprised, honestly, and sometimes a little pot kettle. But I was like, here we go. Hey, we didn't forget. Uh, so president of Actors Equity Association, Kate Schindel, went on to say on Twitter, I believe the word you are looking for here might be under rehearsed. Alternatively, flew in yesterday and are expected to go on after being away from the show for two years would probably also scan because that that is a very true statement. I've seen it from a lot of my friends that are company members. They yeah. are flying into shows all over the country to cover. I've seen a lot of it for Hamilton, especially. Then Alexandra Billings, who is currently playing Madame Morrible in Wicked, had a very lengthy statement on her social media, on her Instagram. And so I'm going to not paraphrase, but I'm just going to cut together a couple of uh, sentences just because it is long, but it's excellent. So I recommend that you read the whole thing. Uh, During these extraordinary times, our world needs extraordinary people. And in the center of our ability to tell the story is the divine voice of the ensemble. All of us working together to bring the imagination to truth so that audiences can for a moment forget the outside and perhaps claim family and compassion as normalcy. She goes on to say, your statement is unkind at best. Yours is in Charlotte's uh, at best and at the very least wrong and unfounded. You owe every working artist a swift and immediate apology, however old their show is and whatever part they play. We are all in the same event. This human experience demands we stand up and hold space for each other. And now as illness prevails, over every theater in our country, the very legs of this artistic table rest on the swings and the understudies capable backs. Rethink this statement. We need your help, not your judgment. Honestly, I don't know anybody who said it better. She's Uh, the most eloquent person when it comes to everything ever. (laughs) So I'm really glad. Oh, (laughs) hell yes. 
awkward, but I agree with you. Uh, and then Natalie Ellis, an understudy at Kimberly Akimbo, said, uh, maybe it's the poor wording the president of the Broadway League made. Maybe she meant to say under-rehearsed or spread too thin. Maybe she needs to take some of the weight on her own shoulders and say that it's maybe the rigorous schedule and lack of coverage for shows that is the issue. Or maybe the lack of testing and not keeping up with science to change the testing regimen so we can stay ahead of this. I don't know anything, all caps, mm-hmm. other than blaming the freaking covers who are working their ass off and also going through this terrifying pandemic do better and to every understudy reading this you are a badass and important and more than freaking efficient Correct. in fact you probably could be playing the role uh, finally- uh, no doubt <laughs> Yeah. Tally Sessions, a cover at company, says, I'm not sure what part of this guest is, quote, educated, because she had referenced this is an educated guest, like bullshit. Mm -hmm. Um, Each understudy I know is more than capable of delivering the role as efficiently as the lead does. Broadway League, come get your girl. This is insulting. We are pros (laughs) and do what pros do. We knock it out of the park, out of the fucking park every night couldn't agree more and then lastly this is jen ash who is a tried and true broadway stage manager so she goes on her uh, instagram to make this statement her uh, hey broadway league the fact that your acting president can make such a short-sighted remark so flippantly at a time of such great uncertainty and concern for your business speaks volumes to how blind you are to what is actually happening with your boots on the ground at shows. In case you haven't noticed, understudies, standbys, covers, and subs are the sole reason that Broadway is functioning at all right now in any capacity. Why the shows that are still up and going that you dote on are doing so with that coverage having no standing on the efficacy of that person being put on stage. People are being literally pulled off the street from other shows, tours, and alumni pools to band-aid performances together. Pay attention because your educated guest screams nothing but ignorance. Quote, my educated guest, uh, the whole Charlotte St. Martin quote. Ooh. <laughs> How you doing, Ash? <laughs> uh, a little faint-headed. Um, so there were actually, there were, first of all, a lot of statements that I saw on Wednesday yeah. um, that we didn't post because we could literally take hours and also eloquent about why this, uh, the initial statement, but even the follow up statement from Charlotte St. Martin is so damaging and insulting. I think the gist of everything really is that I think we are well past having somebody in charge of <laughs> the Broadway League who, in her own words, does not make theater. I think we are well overdue for somebody who understands this industry and understands what it means to be on stage or to be behind the scenes and be putting on these shows and how draining has negative connotations. But I mean, it's an exhausting industry for so many reasons to have somebody speak so flippantly about understudies and swings who are, as we have said many, many times on the show, the hardest working people in showbiz. I like, I cannot fathom what they go through. And for so little recognition, for so little pay, I mean, the, the fact that we're having this conversation when we should be having more conversations about pay raises and performance bumps for swings and hiring more swings for that matter and put-ins for swings and understudies, like, 
it is just so insulting to me to see somebody who is the top of this organization in the top of what is, for better or worse or correct or incorrect, the most important institution in theater. It's there aren't really any words for it, and I'm glad we have so many words from people who, like I said, have created much more eloquent statements on the matter because they are so ingrained in the industry in ways that I am not. It's uh, I'm I'm mad for everybody. <laughs> I'm mad for everybody that it we're, the organization is being led in this way by somebody who doesn't seem to understand yeah. the the level of commitment that understudies and swings and everyone on stage and behind the scenes of a show are for that matter. Um, it's just, I don't understand how if you are in charge of an organization that deals with theater, you have the audacity in a statement to essentially be like, understudies and swings are not as good as the principles like how do you how do you ever make that statement in any regard and be taken seriously as somebody in charge of theater well there's there's often and i i hate this but it's just a true thing that there is just often this association that understudies and swings are less than of course people that are above the title and i hate to break this down for all of you but they are having to do so much more than what you're seeing because they know the show so well that they have to know so many different angles <laughs> of it. Usually multiple do- parts simultaneously. Exactly. That's what a swing does. They literally yeah. swing through um, multiple parts. Sometimes they have to go on during the show. Um, that, And I don't mean to like, you know... Uh, talk down to our audience at all because i don't know what your level of understanding is but but i just want to be transparent that it really you could have a cursory knowledge of these roles and know that that's not a thing that you would ever think or say so that that is why this speaks so much volume because oh oh you're that unaware Okay, so that is just very painful. And and we obviously at Broadway Radio have been um, beating the door down about love and respect to all understudies and swings and everyone on stage and behind the stage. But I mean, especially in this moment to understudies and swings and like even more so to say one more thing, like the Mm -hmm. state of theater that we're in at the moment where we're potentially facing another shutdown. We have all these shows closing and we're having like really weird circumstances like we talked about on yesterday show that Keenan Scott went on at Thoughts of a Colored Man because there was no one else to do the job at the moment because everyone's sick. In the West End on Wednesday, you had Mm -hmm. John Owen Jones, who has not performed in Les Mis for over a year, is going on the Sondheim Theater playing Jean Valjean on Wednesday night uh, with no rehearsal. Like, that is the state absolutely wild and i wish i could be there um but that is the state of theater that we are in at the world in the world in the moment yeah so, and, and no offense oh yeah keep going sorry no oh, but i was going to say like that is the like that is the state that we're in that our understudies our swings our principal cast every everybody is down <laughs> like that we have to call in other people and then you know in this case that is the most extreme case that john owen jones is essentially an understudy when he's not an understudy stepping into a role that he wasn't even part of a cast for 
But that is how expended everybody else is right now. It's true. And and truly no offense to this man, John Owen Jones, yeah. but technically everyone in theater could go on for Jean Valjean right now. Yeah. Uh, that's just oh, part God. of our DNA. Yeah. It's just 24601 is, is a part of us. We know every single role. I've played Woman 5. We can do it all. Um, <laughs> I want to quote Robbie Rizal, our good friend. Lastly, just to cap all of that off. He says on Twitter, I don't know. I just think theater makers should be in charge. And I think as, that's all that has to be and said. As always, <laughs> correct. Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to take a moment from the show to talk about our sponsor for this week, Upstart. So what would you do? What would you do, Ashley, if you had uh, high interest loans or credit card debt? Done. Yeah. What would we do? I guess we're going to use no, just kidding. Upstart. <laughs> No, we are suffering, uh, but we are going to try to suffer uh, throughout this whole thing, but we're going to use Upstart so we can pay off our existing loans, debt, all of that so quickly and easily to start living our best life. I think that's the point that you don't have to suffer with Upstart and whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating your high interest debt, or funding your personal expenses, whatever those may be, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear payoff date and you can join them. Rather than looking at your credit score alone, Upstart considers other factors like your income, your current employment, your credit history, and they find you a smarter rate for your loan. That's right. You can check your rate without impacting your credit score in minutes for loans between $1,000 to $50,000. You can even receive funds as fast as one whole business day after accepting your loan. So find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash Broadway. That's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T dot com slash Broadway. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, that's upstart, U-P-S-T-A-R-T. ART.com slash Broadway. So now we're we're covering some more COVID news. It never stops. Um, it never stops. But I think this this article is really important. So I appreciate that Ashley sent it. Uh, Greg Evans at Deadline poses the question, what is next for Broadway and the Omicron variant? Saying, is there anything else Broadway should be doing to lessen the impact of the Omicron variant? You know, this is something that we've been talking about. And I think this just kind of expands, you know, what why we're not able to mm-hmm. move as quickly as we would like to. Uh, so the Broadway League indicated that another industry-wide shutdown can't be considered. Bill de Blasio uh, said very bland no more shutdowns. I don't really know why these leaders can just just categorically say there won't be a shutdown. Especially when- someone who's on his way out in like five days, but yeah, useless like- as always. It could happen. I don't want to be ignorant to it. So uh, he goes, Greg goes on to say, while all theater workers and audiences must be double vaxxed, all audiences and offstage workers are are required to remain masked throughout performances. The specific of cast testing varies from production to production. This is something Ashley and I were talking right before we recorded Mm -hmm. because it's, it's really confusing for everyone. So he goes on to say some rely most heavily on rapid antigen tests, others, the slower, but more accurate PCR tests and many Many, if not most, use a combination of the two. Exactly when casts are tested and how often is kind of, you know, up for debate. So pre-theater arrivals sometimes once or twice during the production day, just shortly before performance time or many hours before. It's kind of a decision from production to production. And official statements uh, for these production policies are difficult to come by because nobody wants to disclose that information due to, you know, I mean, there's going to be criticism across the board. There's just no question. Um, And then anecdotal evidence suggests that testing schedules vary extremely like and and this is something that i was and i've been trying to say but also like Mm, i can't i can't can't. (laughs) i can't disclose you know like where i'm getting this information from but 
you know, so many tests right now because of this Omicron variant, which I know he talks about here, uh, they're not being detected on every type right. of PCR right. test. And so, and I, again, I'm not a scientist, guys. Do not come for me on the tweets. Like, I'm very <laughs> aware it, that I, I have a cursory knowledge. But what I am getting from people who are working with scientists and, and, and you know, the meetings that they're having, right, is that um, they're not able to detect everything. So I think that it's just important for us to keep on it. But also, we cannot blame every single production saying, oh, you guys are all being reckless. And every time somebody posts some infographic on Instagram being like, we found a COVID breakthrough, it's not always the thing you think it is. Yeah, definitely. And there's also the situation that we have this Omicron variant. And even though, you know, it might be showing showing up on some tests and not on others, there is this very short incubation period, which they talk a little bit, one of the experts um, in the piece talks about, there's a very short incubation period. So even if you're testing people either the day before, whether that's the people on stage or the people that are coming to the audience the day before, that could be very different than the next day or it could be very different within the exact same day. So we're coming across all these problems right now. And again, to reiterate, like we keep talking about all these positive tests and I think there's a lot of uh, problems with the way the media is reporting things right now, especially on major networks of like, oh, Broadway is testing positive all the time, blah, blah, blah. It must not being must not be being careful that's very clearly the opposite because everyone is testing so (laughs) much right now that that is the reason that we're seeing all these positive tests is that they're testing three times a week or more in some case fewer which is part of the problem that we seem to not really have or at least there's not really a spoken about um, disclosed number of how the frequency of testing at the moment, per, per, like for every show, there seems to be variables with every show. Um, so it's really difficult to be like, okay, we're doing everything right because we're doing everything the same across the board where we know both personally, professionally and privately that that is mm-hmm. not the case. Um, but they are still doing more than it seems most industries are doing at the moment. So we're seeing all these positives because of the frequency of testing. And as a result, we're getting this mass freak out. So let's keep freaking out. Um, Always. Yeah. I guess. Freak so out. So I'm just gonna freak out. Let's, uh, I'm going to go through all the COVID closures, postponements, everything in between. All right. You ready? Go. Okay. <gasps> Beginning with uh, David Burns, American Utopia. They will not perform um, for, I guess, when you're listening to this yesterday, December 22nd. Uh, the show will uh, keep going December 23rd for their 5 p.m. show. Come From Away has extended their initial few performance closings through the 25th Christmas due to some outbreak of cases. Uh, performances are going to resume the 26th for their 2 p.m. matinee. Flying Over Sunset canceled December 22nd matinee as well. Uh, and then they have plans to resume with their uh, 20, their December 22nd evening performance. So by the time you hear this, they will hopefully be fine and then keep going to their 23rd. Uh, Classic Stage Company's Revival of Assassins has canceled performances the 22nd through the 23rd. MJ the Musical will stay closed an additional day beyond their initial... Um, they're expected to resume their previews on December 29th. The Broadway production of Six has announced a continuation of its cancellation period going dark through the 28th of December with plans to resume performances on December 29th. So that's... Uh, 
boom, uh, Jersey Boys <laughs> Off-Broadway canceled performances Wednesday, December 22nd through Sunday, the 26th, due to some COVID cases. They will return on Monday, December 27th. And then the producers of Is There Still Sex in the City have announced that because Candace Bushnell, the writer-performer, has tested positive for COVID-19, they just aren't going to continue with the run. I mean, mm-hmm. it's her show. She's the star. If she's positive, they can't keep going. And she is the reason people are seeing the show. So it's not yeah. the same instance where they can put on the understudy. It's very specifically her show. So now with the total postponements, Romeo and Bernadette, a musical tale of Verona and Brooklyn has postponed its upcoming off-Broadway run with no future dates set. Uh, the musical plan to begin February 1st of next year. I know that they have also many, many times uh, said that they're, you know, coming back to do their run. They eventually want a Broadway run. So unfortunately, this is not surprising, but also, uh, you know, they were very official with their February 1st date and now it's no more. The upcoming off-Broadway revival of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof has decided to... I know this one hurt me. (laughs) I texted Ashley and she was like, I already put it in the notes. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, They've decided to fully postpone the production until next summer due to just the current health crisis, which is totally understandable because it was only supposed to run January 14th through February 13th um, at the St. Clement Theater. And then their new dates hopefully are to come, fingers crossed, literally in my hands because I have to see the show. (laughs) Uh, Lastly, the national tour of Jack Thorne's adaptation starring Stephen Sondheim impersonator and star of Tommy Boy Bradley Whitford. (laughs) Correct. <laughs> the uh, Charles Dickens A Christmas Carol has canceled fully their remaining performances at the Los Angeles Amundsen Theater. And finally, a quick little recommendation on TikTok that leads into the final part of this episode where I have a very special interview. Erin, uh, who uh, posted this great TikTok attended the ASL performance of Disney's first national tour of Frozen, the musical in Chicago posted that their experience at the show was so magical because so many cast members were including the ASL interpreters and using sign uh, throughout the show and into bows. And it really meant a lot to her. And I just thought it was really, really heartwarming. And I needed, I wanted you all to to have a beautiful heartwarming moment. (laughs) Like I did see that because the inclusion of accessibility like this is so important to me. And I know you, Ashley. ASL should be required to be taught is my opinion personally. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I I wish that in school I coupled with Spanish for 10 years, I think that we got to have because of the region Mm. that I grew up in. I was so now I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so thankful. Also, why didn't we have ASL? (laughs) 100%. 100%. Yeah, I was uh, completely useless because I took French, but at least I'm learning ASL now. So that's something. No, French is a hot girl thing. That's a hot thing. Thank you. That is is me. I took Latin. So that's a dork thing. I mean, uh, extreme. Extreme respect. Yeah. Glad I'm not a lawyer. Um, I want you to stick around right now because I know we had a lot of news to get through and most of it was upsetting, but this is not. So there's a full interview uh, with me and the cast. uh, It's truly not. Uh, This is an interview with me and the cast of Disney's first national tour of Frozen the Musical starring Broadway veteran from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Holler If You Hear Me and Wicked, my dear, dear, dear F. Michael Haney, who plays Olaf and newcomer who you are not going to not know his name in two years. I'm telling you, he is a 
star. Uh, he leads the show along with the two princesses, Anna and Elsa, Mason Reeves, who plays Kristoff. They're currently running in Chicago through January 22nd with more dates scheduled across the country through 2022. So if you did it's not see one. Frozen the Musical on Broadway, and even, I, I mean, I hate to say this, I've heard this this tour is top tier. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I have seen it multiple times. I was going to say, uh, they're heard through the grapevine like you're not there following every show. <laughs> I mean, guys, like Caroline Bowman was a dadgum uh, alphaba. Like she's playing Elsa. It is nuts. This cast is unreal. This caliber of a tour does not often. I mean, we talk about how tours should be respected as Broadway shows because most of the time they are if they're equity. Um, They are unreal. I can't I can't tell you how excited I am for you to see it. If it's in a city near you, please enjoy this chat. And yes, we are very friendly. Don't think that I'm so unprofessional. that I would. (laughs) These are my friends. These are my people. Um, This is my partner. So I, I just I want you to enjoy this holiday interview with the cast of Frozen. Please enjoy. Welcome to Broadway Radio, Mason and FF. I know you've already heard a million Broadway Radio episodes. (laughs) Mason hasn't. So I'm excited to welcome you both on here. And I just, I want you to be honest. Like, how are you feeling in this moment? Because before we get into the fact that you're on the first national tour of Frozen, the Disney on Broadway musical, um, you know, it kicked off in 2019. And you're currently one lockdown into this run and you're in Chicago. How are you feeling right now? What's what's going on? (laughs) You mean we're one lockdown with with the second lockdown possibly looming is what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying you've already, like, what you thought was a one-year contract starting in 2019. You guys have been a part of the show for... Ever. Two, three years? Yes. How long? Yeah, two years. Two years, almost two and a half now. Well, you actually, did... No, tell yeah, me. We started, we started rehearsing what? Was it... It wasn't 2018, was it? F? No, it was 2019. It was, I think it was August or September of 2019. And then we did our out of town in Schenectady. Then right after Thanksgiving of 2019, we flew to LA, did a big opening there, went, here we go again on our own. <laughs> um, and then got only three cities in. We did nine weeks in LA, about a month in Seattle. And then, I mean, a handful of shows in Portland before... Uh, March of 2020. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's definitely definitely been here longer than um than I think any of us were expecting. Air Frozen has been a large part of our lives longer than anybody in the cast was expecting. Definitely. Right. That's my question. Is like you guys have built a family that you have like it's taken a chunk of your life. You've you've now been through you know, a, a serious <laughs> pandemic together. Um, what did you guys stay connected over the break? Were you just kind of like, okay, the curtain dropped, we let it go. And then we came back for the first time in forever. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we have, I, I mean, we have, we have different F being the lovely human being that they are. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for F, but I think F did a wonderful job of every Sunday we would do these things called Hugo Happy Hours when we had the show, where we'd all backstage after the show on Sunday nights, we'd all, somebody would make a theme to drink and we'd all go drink in a dressing room. And F being just so lovely over the pandemic provided a space for anyone that wanted to come. It wasn't, it wasn't mandatory. It wasn't, there was, there were no expectations, but would just host this gathering on Zoom every Sunday. And, you know, I can't speak to who came. I came a couple of times. It was always nice to know that there were people there. Um, but I know I know you had like a pretty consistent group of people that would come, right? Up? 
Yeah. I mean, it's this thing. I think we did like 70, 80 of them. I know that sounds crazy, um, but it was, it was a random combination. Um, sometimes it was a lot of actors. Uh, sometimes it was several people from the crew. Sometimes it was just a couple of us. Um, but I, what I liked and what I love about this company is that everyone is able to, it's, it's kind of like a, a, like a potluck of, of humanity. Cause you come to the potluck and you bring a certain amount of something and know that the rest of the people in this company are there to provide what they can. Um, you get leadership from some people, you get cookies from some people, you get great hugs from some people, you get absolute appropriate physical distance from people. Like, you know what I mean? I, I think there's this amazing thing that we were able to provide each other over the break and still check in. And I don't know, Mason and Jeremy Morse and I mind planets as oh, yeah. dwarves in a video game. Wait, wait, just the musicals, Jeremy Morse? Yeah. Yes. 20-time Ogie uh, that I saw personally. <laughs> I love Jeremy. Um, so wait, you said the word Hugo. Can you explain what that is, or did you guys make that word up? You said Hugo happy hour, but I don't really... What What is that? Well, Hugo is not tripling the price of uh, produce and winter gear uh, in the crisis. Um, that's a line from the show. So you're going to tell I'm, me what it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, Huga is, I, I can't even put it into words. I just think it, to me, it just feels like, like warmth. Like, you know, when you walk into, if you're close with your family, when you walk into the, the house and there's candles lit, somebody's making dinner, there's good music playing, you know, the, the vibes are on and you just get that warm, comfortable feeling to me. That's, that's Huga. Um, I don't know. What do you, is that, do you sort of feel that way? F do you think that's, I, mean, it? I feel like. Technically, Huga is a a song in our show that is a word in like Finnish, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know, Swedish maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, it's kind of like the opposite of Schadenfreude. <laughs> what? Oh, so Bobby Lopez was like, "What if I took the concept yeah, of yeah, that yeah. new cue, flip it, and then just flip it, just give it a little flip, and we make it positive and Disney inspired?" So that makes sense. Yeah. How long did you guys get together for during the pandemic? How many how many Huga happy hours did you have? I think it was somewhere between 70 and 80. Oh, oh God. Yeah, I thought you were going to say like five. <laughs> or no, that was the number no. of weeks between what, March 12th, March 13th. Oh, And wow. then when we were able to meet back in Buffalo, New York to remount the show starting oh. in August. Yeah. Of it was, it was literally every week. I, and I think maybe there, I, what you said, you missed maybe one week. Yes. No, I never missed one. I just, um, wow. There were a couple I literally got on for maybe 10 minutes on my phone at like, you know, my friend's 4th of July barbecue and was like, hey, guys, um, America, I, I miss you. I love you. Bye. That's amazing. Wow. Also, I guess what I love to think about is the fact that like your cast, crew and orchestra, even during like a really challenging time of separation, you were still kind of not talking about the show, but so much like your life, which doesn't get to happen a lot of times when you're doing like a major contract. So. I, I love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, that's really, yeah, I, I, that is the great way to put it. And I think, you know, for all of us, we all sort of handled it in whatever way that we did. You know, the pandemic was for some people, they shut down for some people, they didn't want to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I think having a space where people could talk about it, but also interestingly that having that space also the way that, that it was arranged was just so much 
um, the idea was you don't have to be here. You don't have to come do what you need to do. And I feel like our cast has been so great about that of saying, you know, what you need to do to take care of yourself, do that. You have that space to go live your life. And it, I mean, it makes, it, it makes life uh, easier. You know, touring is, is very insular and it, you know, sometimes the things that happen feel like the whole world. And, you know, the more people that I have that I think, or the more people in whatever company that you're in that I think are able to give the space to each other to handle things the way that they need to, um, the better, you know, the better the, the situation and the, the community will be. I think, I think that's, you know, that's life. It's really, it was really beautiful that what happened and, um, how we all stuck together in whatever way that meant. Um, yeah. Mason, you're so damn wise and you're a child and you, <laughs> I, I say child lovingly because, because I know that you recently graduated from school for yes. musical theater. Like this is your first big contract. Like has this just been wildly different than you were expecting from school? Like, did they prepare you at all for what you were going to, I mean, nobody could have prepared you for a pandemic, but like you are the leading man in this show. Like, ah, it's just, it's insane. And it's, well, I mean, I've seen you in the show a couple of times it's absolutely deserved. You bring so oh. much life and excitement to this character that I think all of us think we know because of the film. But um, I hate to burst your bubble, but like John Groff, take a seat. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, no. Do not say he's so nice. <laughs> yeah, he's so nice, but like pave the way for Mason Reeves. Um, tell me like about your journey with this character. Like, were you in auditions while you were in school? Were you doing Footloose at the Muni and then simultaneously singing Reindeer's Smell Better Than People? Like what, what was happening? Yeah. So it kind of all happened uh, once for me. Interestingly, um, you know, like most boys in their lives at puberty, my voice kind of like just stopped working, you know, for a lot of things. And it sounds so like boys I, have I, it really hard in life. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, the that's, cool quote that I'm going to use. My voice cracked. So that's terrible, huh? That's the worst thing. Um, but yeah, so, so that sort of happened, whatever that, you know, that's not a big deal, but going into college, you know, I, I worked really hard on my acting. I worked really hard on song performance and, you know, I, I played soccer. I couldn't really dance. So in college, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to work on what I really can. And I just spent hours and hours working on my dancing and hours and hours working on my voice and trying to pull it all together, but nothing was really clicking until literally my junior year of college. And all of a sudden I got a new voice teacher that, you know, was, was a part of uh, a larger journey in my life. I think I, my sophomore year, I discovered that I had depression and I discovered mm -hmm. that I had a lot of things that I needed to work through and started, started that sort of mental journey. And then I got this voice teacher at just the right time. And we, we agreed in a lot of ways on ways to live life and, and how to, how to lead a, um, or try to search for contentment within my art. And I found once I was able to release um, all of those, those larger issues that I had of needing to be perfect and needing everybody to like me and needing all of those things, I realized that those were inhibiting my, my ability to perform. And so junior year, I really just started saying like, you know, can I curse on this podcast? I would love for you to do that. So I finally just started saying like, fuck it. I had a great director that came and we did Passing Strange and she was just like, Oh, of course yeah. you did. Yes. Yeah. And she was, and she was just sort of like, you know what? Like, why, why are you wasting your, like, if you feel like that's what you want to do, mm -hmm. like, if you want to roll around on the floor, if you want to do anything, you know, do it. And if, if the vibe's different for the show, like, whatever, you know, meter it however you need to meter it, but like, do what the fuck you want to do. Fuck it. Why get out of your own fucking way? And so that year, 
I went to the Muni. I went to an open call at the Muni and that's mm-hmm. where I, and I was auditioning for Footloose and ended up from like from this open call booking the lead of that show, um, which was crazy. And Telsey did the same casting um, of that. I'm and, unfamiliar Telsey's work. Telsey, I think they're yeah, a smaller so, firm. Yeah. 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 They're, they're kind of, I, I mean, I, I'd heard of them once or twice now. I did. Bernardo, is that his name? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Um, yes. And, uh, he's a great dancer as well. Um, also leads a gang. Um, but, uh, that was a, a West Side Story. trailer reference. for West Side Story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we were just talking about it yesterday on the show, so it totally works out. Thank you. Yes. It's Bernie Telsey, uh, <laughs> and he's the leader of the, the Sharks. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they, I got cast there from the open call and then Telsey had videos of me from that callback and then, they asked me to send in. And so after like, I think I was, I finished music theory or something junior year or, and I went and filmed some sides. And then a week later they sent me an email and asked me to fly to New York. And I was like, okay. And so this was like right during finals week, basically. And so I finished the final hopped on a plane, flew to New York and I auditioned for like a whole day. Cause it's Disney. So, you know, they've got, yeah, everybody yeah. has to say yes. And so um, I auditioned for like, I think there were like 16, 20 people in the room at the end of the day. And then um, crazily, the next day I woke up and uh, was about to take a shower and go, uh, go see some friends and stuff. And then I got a phone call that I had booked, that I had booked the part. And I was just like, it was crazy. And so I was, you know, I always tell this story and it sounds kind of scandalous, but I was literally naked. I was in the shower. Like I was about the, I turned the water on and then the phone call started. And then I was just running around my friend's apartment in a towel for the next hour calling people I needed to call. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of, you know, the journey. And so I finished school online doing the tour and it was terrifying. You know, I was 21 at the time and, you know, and I was, yeah, there was only one other person younger than me in the cast. And she's like, I think two months younger than me or something. And so, uh, besides the little girls, of course. Um, and so it was terrifying, but it was, I'm very grateful that I have people like F and the other wonderful people in our cast, you know, Caroline and everybody, Claire and Bowman. No, 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 and no, no, no. Nobody else matters. Uh, this is. Yeah, I know. Just listen, just- every Luke Skywalker needs an Obi-Wan Kenobi and I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You really have been. I mean, I, I mean, you people on the podcast don't know, but F and I are. I mean, you're like you're like my closest friend on tour. I love you. <laughs> I, think, I think the funny thing, and I mean this very seriously, not just to keep talking about how amazing Mason is, but I think as someone who, there are plenty of people in this business who have had much much longer careers, but you know, 17 years in New York is. I'm realizing I'm no longer, even though I still get auditions to play high schoolers. Um, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of like the things. And so when I meet people that are coming fresh into it, a lot of times there's a weird separation because of the, the stigma of, you know, the length of a career and what that means and, you know, you know, the, the clout and things that come with it. But what I realized on this tour, and a lot of it was from having all of my scenes in the show that Olaf has are with Christoph and Anna. And having someone like Caroline Interbickler, who is so remarkable and is just starting to crack the egg of New York for a million different reasons, but has a beautiful, amazing career in front of her and behind her. She's been killing it. And then also to meet someone who is one of the most uniquely talented human beings I've ever met. And I feel like I discovered I didn't at all. Um, but like to, to, to get to work with Mason and when we went, when we went on the deck to rehearse, it never felt like 
there was any difference. It was three actors equally trying to solve a problem like Maria. Um, <laughs> trying to solve a... Celebrity challenge. Yeah, trying to solve the problem of the show, um, yeah. of, of what acting was. And we would go off and we would talk about the math and science of funny. And we would talk about all our deep feelings about acting. Like, you know, you could, you could roll your eyes and say, you know, we're playing animated characters in a Disney musical, but the way that the three of us have talked about character and what's important about why we're telling this story and what we've been trying to do to justify as professionals, as human beings, as actors, it has given me so much more courage as a human. Like I've grown from seeing younger actors or actors with different amounts of experience but I think it's the kind of thing of getting getting stuck on stage with Mason going like, oh, man, he's one of the only people I didn't I didn't know in the principal company going into this and then going, I have so much to learn from someone who's figured a lot of stuff out that I haven't even considered as an actor yet. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, I hate him. We don't get along. Yeah. Yeah, Sounds lame, uninterested. Plot. So, F, yes. <laughs> you you play Olaf, who I think that we all have like a preconceived notion of, just because of like Josh Gad's voice and likeness in every Disney property thing that's ever been ever. Um, so you don't have to get into the total mechanics of the fact of of like the puppetry, okay. but that's just not something that I associate with your work all the time. So I'm just really curious, like what. What have you brought of yourself into this character and into the performance of Olaf? And I just, I want to hear more about it because the first time I saw it, I was obviously watching the entire show. And then the second time I was watching like how Olaf reacts to people and like the, especially like his two moms who (laughs) you also have, Mm -hmm. um, like how, you know, you're, you're this like uh, snowman that has feelings and is learning and kind of like, I was just watching this big bird documentary about how like big bird, uh, is played by Carol Spinney, but Carol Spinney plays Big Bird as like a three-year-old child and is always learning. And so I see a lot of that in your performance of Olaf. I want to know more. One, that's a huge compliment. I mean, that's one of the most famous puppets of all time. And I think, I think the great thing about puppetry, and I promise I won't just talk broadly the whole time, but like the, the history of Jim Henson and Frank Oz and Sesame Street and the Muppets and so many amazing puppets throughout time. It was really fascinating to get to tackle someone who had only existed in animation before. <laughs> um, like, cause there frozen is loosely based on, I think the snow queen, but yeah. sh- sure. Like it has the word snow in it. Um, but I go like looking at Olaf, he was Josh Gad. Yeah. People ask me, do I do the voice? And I go, voice. <laughs> I go, I do my voice, but Josh Gad is a remarkable Broadway actor. Um, and he's able to make, things that are not funny on paper, the funniest thing you've ever seen. Um, and to have that mantle passed to the maybe one of the best actors working in New York right now, Greg Hildreth, um, I'd seen it and I went, oh, there's no way I could do that. So when I finally went in and auditioned for it, I went, the only way that they, I, I will be able to do this and they will be able to let me do it is if I'm able to do it the only way I can. So what ended up happening was I walked in with like a mohawk and a beard and <laughs> Doc Martens and ripped jeans. And that's tattoos. what I picture as my Olaf. I don't know about everybody else. I want steampunk Olaf. I'll just put it out there. <laughs> Made of gears. Absolutely. But I just, I just think there was this thing of like, I walked in and I went, 
okay, I'm going to be an absolute pure emotion psychopath. And every time I get to play Olaf every night, I get the horrible little scamp evil brain where I get to react <laughs> very genuinely to everything because I'm born on stage. I am there the whole time. I get to meet everyone for the first time. There's no like just before moment. <laughs> Everything happens. So anytime that someone thinks they're going to get cute with me and, and give me a line reading that they have, you know, oh, I never thought about the line this way before. And when whatever they serve up to me, it's not me trying to be funny or trying to be weird or trying to be, you know, a class clown. But all I have to do is take things at face value. <laughs> so getting to work with incredible like alternates like um, Marina Kondo and uh, Berkeley going as Anna, I have three different Annas that have three very different energies. So my Olaf, I'm very fortunate that I was allowed to let Olaf be beautifully reactionary, that he is the heart of a child, I guess, but I think more of like, he, (laughs) I'm such a science fiction nerd. I'm like, he exists in all times. He's read the play he knows the audience is there. Like, it's all of these things. And so, like, there's a moment where, uh, Christoph, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Frozen, by the way, I guess. Um, but okay, so you've never had to babysit for cash? I okay. sure won't ever do that. Okay. Um, but uh, Christoph is, like, crying and stuff and being like, oh, man, I really think I like Anna. And then we got to, like, take her back to Hans. Those are the lines, yeah. Yeah. And at that time, like, you know, Mason is giving a stirring performance of this song and then Olaf kind of looks up and just puts his head down for a minute and goes like, I don't want to do that part of the show tonight. Like, can we, can I just tell him? And then I go, no, you have to let him learn. And so I, that's kind of how I've always played Olaf and no one has any clue um, in the audience. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not playing some weird fourth wall breaking person. They You're doing like, elephant man and everyone else is just <laughs> there. Um, okay. So this is a question for both of you um, because a lot of people have had the opportunity to see the Broadway show, which was of course the, like the first adaptation of, you know, the film um, and they have their feelings on it. Right. But how, how do you feel like your touring company, because you're the first national tour, you guys got to kind of like reinvent what they had created. What makes your, like, let's say that I already seen the New York show. Like what makes yours different? What makes it special besides you perfect people? Mm-hmm. What changed? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I mean, just on paper, I know we we have a new um, duet that wasn't in the New York show. They they put in they had done a recasting like just before the pandemic in I think February of my dear friend Mackenzie Kurtz, who is actually the other lead in Footloose with me. She was Ariel and I was Ren, which is funny. Um, yeah, and so we were love interests again, just uh, just in two different casts, um, but. Uh, her and then Sierra, um, Sierra Renee. Renee. Yeah, who you're friends with, right, F? Yeah, yeah. She saw the show in yeah. LA, and that's when I found out that she was going to do it, and we were all so excited. Yeah, that was very exciting. Um, and so they put in some of our changes, but it's a there's a new duet, which in in the movie um, is that song uh, that when Elsa ice strikes Anna the second time that I can't, and everybody loves that part. Um, I love that's that what part. It sounds- Love That's it. what it sounds like. Um, but in the musical, they've added this new wonderful duet called I Can't Lose You um, that was new for us. That uh, is just it's it's more of a fleshing out of the two sisters emotions as they are trying to trying to bridge this gap. It, it they I feel like the creators wanted to 
focus on that connection because that's what's so important about the show i think is the the connection between these two sisters and how it affects the whole community and how people how they are learning to love one another and um and in doing so open everyone up i mean through just through my perspective as christoph i think seeing anna drop everything and sacrifice so much for her sister is what really starts to crack him out of his shell and you know get him to stop being such like a loner, frankly. I mean, he's been kind of a loner. He's best friends with reindeer and, and they just sell ice. That's his life. And so. I think you're trying um, to say is he's an incel. Christoph is an incel. It seems no. like that's the, that's the terminology you're looking for. Interesting. <laughs> Christoph was not there on January 6th. Where was, was Christoph? We know where Judas was. Where was Christoph? Um, oh, no, I, I think that that's, no, no, that's great because I, I just always want people to revisit a show that they may have loved, especially in New York, if they're back in the city that they normally live in, which is, you know, all across the country. Um, so, yeah. I think quickly to jump in on that. Jump in. The, the thing that is different. Um, Give us a pause. It's going to pause for a train. It's a Vanessa Carlton song. Unreleased. Making my way down train. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. But what I mean to say is that uh, the show's on the road sometimes have like a, I don't know, like a unnecessarily bad rap in the same way that quote understudies do that. Like every now and then there's this weird thing that people who love theater decided, which is there's a hierarchy of what's good. And, and I think it's so unfounded and so weird. Sorry, it's right. really thick train. Yeah, coming thick through. train time. Okay, I think that there's a misconception about, tours and that's not just protecting me and the other performers that I'm with but in the same way that I didn't understand the understudies when I was a kid I saw the little slips come in and I would be mm-hmm. like oh man I'm not getting to see the show no you're going to see yeah. something remarkably special and with our tour I think one of the advantages that makes this different than just the normal things that you would get with a new cast which is you know you, you get some fresh takes you get some different Pambra voices. You get to see an actor, you know, take a different angle at the show. I think ours was allowed to both in script that costume changes that it is not to replace the memory of the incredible cast that created the show that came out of Denver and set up at the St. James and gave a beautiful piece of theater. I think it's to say though, that that show, the Broadway show has never been done in 2021. Mm-hmm. And our creatives have in some ways allowed us to let that be okay. Yeah. That we are when we are. Because there are certain things about like, I don't know how many times Anna gets picked up in the show as opposed to standing up herself. And I know those are things that we're all continuing to have big conversations about. But I think it's really important that theater, the difference between theater aging well and um, movies aging well, is that theater, we get to go decide to do that every night. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times people chalk up to like, oh, well, you know, that seemed a little dated or like maybe that reference wasn't as like, you know, appropriate as we thought it was when we wrote it. But instead, you get to talk to the cast and the people that are presenting the material every night. And my hope is that with this show and with all other shows that we look at theater as a living thing that doesn't make an excuse for why something is, but makes the time and takes the time and effort to figure out why it can't be that. Why can't you change that line? Why can't you change that piece of choreography? Why can't you change that, that costume set? Yeah, like some things are going to stay that like, that are the quotable, you know, um, uh, 
Olaf likes warm hugs and whatnot. Like that, sure. that has to stay. But the other things you guys kind of get to play around, which is great. Uh, so for both of you, it's your first tour as artists and performers. Like, I feel like you kind of answered this question, but you can quickly just kind of like, tell me, how does it feel to do a show in a new city every other week, every other two months? Like, this is a kind of a new audience every time, even though in New York, it's, it's, there's always people from all over. How, how do you adjust? Um, yeah, it's fun. I think because I, I am finding as, as my 23 year old self or just me, Mason speaking for myself, I get restless very quickly. And so, um, I enjoy, I'm enjoying having different audiences and things because it's just kind of cool to see what people react to. Like, you know, Seattle felt like a very young, like, uh, but not like kid young, like, you know, like late, mid to late twenties, like people that are coming with their friends and having a great time. So there's lots of screaming and lots of laughing and lots of, you know, (laughs) like they were very, felt very involved. Whereas Salt Lake City felt more like very respectful families were coming and, you know, they would react to to different things. And so, you know, it, it was, it was very, it's interesting for me. Um, cause Christoph, you know, I kind of, I kind of play around with him a lot, but he, he, in some scenes, he's very much the straight man and very much the, you know, which that, that term I still feel kind of weird about. Looking like that could a discussion for another time, but he's the, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> the foil for comedy. And so in some of the scenes, he's more like that. But in some scenes, you know, I'm a very goofy person and there in some scenes, he's more of a goofy character. And it's very interesting depending on the city and depending on the audiences, you know, what sort of version of Christoph, um, they react to more. And what I can sort of focus on or, or be more aware of, um, for each different audience. I really like that. That's my quick answer. Okay. Uh, I mean, I, the only note that I have is that you don't sing enough in the show. I don't really know why <laughs> Kristoff doesn't have more, um, ballads, fun numbers like you dancing and fixer upper. I'm like, yes, let's have 10 more minutes of that, please. But that's just <laughs> you doing footloose. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Um, so, and this is, this is my last question because I always like to know, like, even though we are promoting the show and we're promoting you all, I I just want to know about your life, like outside of it a little bit, because you are artists and performers. And I'm sure that because you are touring, you also have like, you're not in the city where you get to do like a workshop every single week, or you don't get to audition for other things. So like, how are you as artists and performers? Are you working on like other projects? Do you have things that you go, oh, well, yeah, um, Mason's working on an opera in his off time. And, <laughs> you know, or do you just like choose to unwind? Like, do you just need full rest because it's it's pretty exhausting to go around? Mm. I think it's vacillating a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mental health while you're on the road is a really important thing that yeah. I hope that people who are going on tours first time because a lot of young people go on tour um tour is going to look very different for the next few years in a lot of different ways because we're going to these localities that haven't had business haven't had commerce Mm -hmm. these downtowns that haven't had human beings in them for a while um and chicago is the first time we've hit one where it feels like we're back in we're back home well for me i'm back home um but um (laughs) i think that the mental health of what we need from day to day is a really important thing to check in with. And it's good to have people on the show that you can have those conversations with. Cause 
to be absolutely frank with you, yeah. Mason and I play video games together sometimes. Right. Not in the same place. No. Like we will <laughs> leave the show, text each other and get on headphones. Sometimes with my brother who's in Georgia mm-hmm. and we'll play destiny for a little while. I feel like and sometimes then, is an understatement. <laughs> okay. Well, oh, like, you're trying to be conservative. I'm trying to cool. <laughs> um, but, but also, you know, some people are, are baking with, you know, uh, Michael Milcannon, who's one of the greatest human beings alive. Um, he plays, so many amazing roles and sings all the notes in Frozen the Musical. Oh, he's tall. Mm-hmm. He's very tall. Yeah, um, but he plays the, the bishop and then also the hoo-hoo man, Oaken. Um, he's, he, along with our PSM, Melissa, um, have been running a great Frozen bake-off and things like that. So people are able to make cookies and things like that and send them to people and bring them to the theater and People are doing all sorts of things, uh, working out together, sightseeing. And I think that there is a lot of time for things on the road that you wouldn't have time for when you're trying to do a thousand other shows and, you know, do the business, do the business. Um, but I know that we do all miss a lot of the things that maybe we would get to do on tour, doing more concerts and things like this. Um, as a writer, like who writes music, I would love to be able to do you know, a big concert in Chicago and show off the other side of the coin for so many of the vocalists in our show. Um, some of the actors in our show don't get to have a, you know, a 10 minute monologue and some of our singers who can sing circles around folk oh, yeah. are singing high B's off stage. Casual. And so I, and I am as well, just from my seat. Totally. <laughs> but like, I think, I think knowing the caliber of, of human being and performer that we have in our show, it hurt, hurts my, my brain a lot mm-hmm. because all I want to do is like do a table read of the musical I'm writing that I see that you've written down on a piece of paper and are telling me to mention. Um, but uh, I want to share my music. I w- <laughs> yes, <laughs> Mason. I'm like, see, this is the thing. All of you are always working on a hundred other things. And that's why I want to know about them because all of a sudden in five years from now or whatever, we're going to be like, this is coming to this, uh, you know, out of town tryout. And I'd be like, why didn't I know about that? But I think it's also important to know that like people are also getting their MBAs. I know. That's why it's, it's everyone has fascinating lives. <laughs> that's crazy. Why I, I love that. Uh, hopefully this is a true statement that your company has allowed for you to have fruitful lives outside of the work that you do on stage, because it is so taxing and exciting, but it is two hours of your day. And then all of a sudden you have to like rest, recoup and, and, and feed your brain and all that great stuff. So uh, yeah. on that note, thank you guys so much for joining us on Broadway radio today. Um, if you want, you can catch them. And if you don't want to just do it for me personally, um, you can catch the North American tour of Frozen at a city near you. Mason Reeves is a rising star and F Michael Haney. We, Oh, we just want you back in New York on Broadway, to be honest, because it's been a minute and you need to come back. Mason and I will be a package deal <laughs> and we will come and do... Wait, what's the show? Is it sideshow? What's going on? Oh, I was just going to say it's oh. any show. And I know it sounds like I would be the person, um, you know, they're like, oh, you know, this putting this kid under my wing. No, I'm just going to coattail the shit out of Mason the rest <laughs> of my career. Shut up. And be like, hey, do you need some some weird person in the show? Yeah, just like... I'll come in. You like, guys do last five years at New World Stages for 10 years. Yeah, oh. I'll run the spotlight. <laughs> well, I, just, I just know at some point in time, someone's going to say, hey, Mason, you're going to start in the show. Is there anybody that you need to be in the cast? And he's like, hmm, there's this old person. Oh, shut up. We played video yeah. games together. That was it. 
Here, here's well, their phone number. Give, the, give them a call. And uh, I mean, it just occurred to me now, but I think we would do a really great production of Annie with me as Annie and you as Daddy Warbucks. What do you think? As long as I get to be the puppet being held by the radio guy. So on that note, thank you guys so much again for having me. And um, please thank continue a safe, um, well journey on the rest of your time. Wait, wait, I've seen it on the on the radio. Um, uh, where where can they find you? Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. We'll do that part. Uh, Mason, where can we? <laughs> I hate you. Um, we've got like literally two minutes left. Okay, so you can follow me at Grace Aki. Uh, Mason, where can we find you on any social media? Um, it's at Race and Meef. So it's just my name, Mason Reeves, but with the first letter of my name's reverse. So it's Race and Meeves. It rhymes and I thought it was quirky. That's alarming. Um, F, where can we find you? <laughs> yeah, just at F Michael Haney on the things. I don't really do many of them, but um, I, I do have them. And I promise I'm trying to do better. You know what? We need we need your music on the TikTok. On that note, thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us, for listening to us on today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And don't forget about our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's Grace Aki. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. Thank you guys so much. We will keep bringing you the news no matter how happy or sad it's, it is. We will- <laughs> it's our last It's our last day, I think, for the rest of the year. Yeah. It's just, I think it's just Matt tomorrow um, and he's doing some stuff with Jen for some like hip hop. So we're done for the rest of the year. There's going to be a lot more in the feed. Oh, we've got best of episodes, predictions episode, tick, tick, boom review. God knows what else. Yes. I can't even remember. Um, so I guess we'll be back in 2022. We'll be back in 2022. And in the meantime, if any of you want to shout out your favorite Ashley moments, please, please tweet don't them do out, that. Actually. I want to see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please, like, please, no, absolutely not. <laughs> leave her alone. Uh, well, it is always a pleasure. Unfortunately, guys, I hate to say this, the show is always way shorter than what we say because yeah. we talk and talk and talk. And this is what makes the show great is that we all love each other so much. So thank you. For the first time in forever Nothing is she